Welcome back to the Brazos Point Living Room. We uh, have the three amigos back together again, and we have a new amigo joining us. We have Miss Erin Wilson joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, and we have Randy and myself. Here we are. Yep. So my first question, honestly, Erin, with you joining us, I just want to know, do you listen to our podcast? On occasion. <laughs> That's a no. No, no, no week to week. <laughs> That's a no. Uh, it just depends on who's who's on that week. When I have time, I would love to listen to uh-huh. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to make fun of the people who don't listen. Oh, gosh. They never know. <laughs> yeah, they never know. <laughs> uh, well, this week we are wrapping up our uh, message series, Walking Through Marriage, which has been really great. And really good conversations coming out of it. Uh, but as we do, my first question this week is, first comes love, then comes conflict. Uh, okay, we'll get into that. Uh, my first question, though, is, what is the silliest thing you have argued passionately about with your spouse? Maybe it doesn't matter at all. It's not significant, but you just choose to dig in. I don't know about silliest thing, but most current thing is, current. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, and it's not, this is not resolved necessarily. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my parents were in town. My dad drives this big old F-350. He's parked behind me in the driveway. Ashley warns me on my way out in the morning, uh, don't forget your dad's parked behind you. I didn't do this, but in my mind, I said, don't forget your dad's parked behind you. <laughs> and I get out there 20 minutes later, and guess what I did? I forgot my dad was parked behind me, and I hit it hard and fast, did zero damage to his big old massive truck, and did a lot of damage to my my little white SUV, which ultimately the plan for the white SUV is that it becomes Kindle, our 15-year-old's next year, and I don't intend to get it fixed. <laughs> and so that's what we're disagreeing about. Ashley thinks it should get fixed. I don't think it should. I don't think it's worth it. Ashley thinks that it is worth it. We don't see eye to eye. It still functions. The back door, kind of wonky, but you can still open and close it kind of somewhat for yeah, the most part. It's a first car for someone. It's a first yeah. car for someone. And for me, it all comes down to the cost to get it fixed versus the value of the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, we don't see this as thing. <laughs> it's silly. Sure. Well, it would take a ton of pressure off Kindle. So if she gets a ding in it, it's already it's wonky. less to yeah. worry yeah. about. You can't make it, you she could make it more wonky. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say since it's unresolved, we should resolve it for you. Well, I got a quote, <laughs> if that helps you figure out which direction this is going. I was just going to say, two wrongs don't make a right, and you were wrong once. <laughs> we'll let y'all vote. Yeah, so y'all vote. Fix it or not fix I it. I just say, I don't. regardless of what it's going to cost, whatever Ashley wants, I think mm. she's earned the right. That feels fair. Oh, gosh. What well, about you, Erin? You Ashley's, fix it or don't fix it? Ashley's not going to like me very much right now, but I would not fix it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Like, the, the, the cost to fix it is about 10% of the value of the car. I can't do it. No. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably not worth it. I will tell you, others in my life, Steve Erskine is saying fix it, <laughs> which because you'll that has influence. you'll you'll yeah. destroy your car in the long run. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But my goal is to just move it from one kid to the next to the next. It may not make it to the last. Why kid. do they need the back door to work? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Aaron? So, for the first few years that Jared and I were be married we passionately argued about song lyrics so much so like we'd fight about it we'd take it to google and google would prove both of us wrong oh like multiple times (laughs) and then we both just be mad because we didn't know the song lyrics it took us years before we realized we can't argue about song lyrics we're both wrong and on the rare occasion that someone is right 
whew, then the other person is just mad for a at while. At least you got the good fortune of Google being conclusive. Mm. Because mm. the Danes and Mastersons, me and Ashley, Michelle and Jeff, we've got a battle, ongoing battle, because Google's not conclusive. Michelle and I think that the goldfish jingle says, I like fishes because they're so delicious, <laughs> gone goldfishing. Ashley and Jeff think it says, gotta go fishing. And you can't prove one way or the other. We've got to we got to get to the good people at Goldfish and ask them to solve it for us because Google email. is inconclusive. Mm. I think uh, I think a number of things that are silly that uh, uh, I just like to dig in for the fun of it. That I think maybe it's mm. fun sometimes. Fun you know? for you, yeah, it's fun for me. <laughs> uh, just it's kind of teasing, but it's like. Um, no, I don't think we should do it that way. Or uh, everything from like you know loading the dishwasher to what car we take to. Um, so I think there's a lot of things I'm really trying to think through. In my mind, Emily is so easygoing. She is. That's why that I'm I can't the imagine you <laughs> even rattling her. Yeah, I can get to her for sure. She's like, why, why? Um, I think uh, I'm really. Oh, we've talked about this before. Just. I'm really particular about my sleeping conditions. <laughs> no crumbs in the bed. Speaking of, I just told you this week, I really just cold. got fitted sheet suspenders. <laughs> fitted sheet suspenders. And I maintain it's the second best purchase I've made on Amazon. Six bucks, almost as good as the gutter scoop. But you said it sounds like too much work. Well, have you used them? Yeah, man. Them? I'm, I'm, I'm sold. Well, you put the suspenders you, you know. under the mattress? You put the suspenders under the mattress it's to ridiculous. keep the fitted sheet in place. I, I, I understand that tension, but, but it was so funny. You came in, you were like, are y'all having a hard time with your fitted sheets? <laughs> and it was like, not was, that much. I was going to sell. Well, I think I sleep wild. And Yeah, that must be. But like, I, I recommended the suspenders to you because I was like, I used this before. I lost them at some point. And I've never had a problem since. Mm, well, so something changed. We're a weekend, and I'm a fan. Mm. But when it's just like, <laughs> just gotta unbuckle. It's all a lot of, of work. You're yeah, not wrong. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And I mean, this, how often do you change your sheets? That's what I was gonna say. This, this <laughs> is, <laughs> this is pretty gross. Oh uh, no, Ash, no, Ash. we change our sheets all the time. I, I wouldn't. But Ashley's a real stickler for clean sheets. <laughs> like for if it were up to me, those suspenders would stay on month or two mm. but ashley's gonna change the sheets about every other week maybe week or every week i think is yeah. how often it's happening what about y'all how often are you changing your sheets every other week every other week probably about the same okay aaron has got a funny face though i don't think she's yeah. the truth. Trying to remember. <laughs> she also her. listens to this podcast occasionally oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well uh good on ashley yeah bless her heart she's very clean <laughs> Uh, well, this week we're talking about conflict in marriage and that it's inevitable. Every marriage has conflict. And uh, Randy, in your message, you point us to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 2. And the Apostle Paul tells us, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And his command is for how we treat each other. And you use this as a guide, really, for how we work through conflict in our marriage. And I love that you said uh, that our goal really is to start with gentleness. Um, and the Apostle Paul says, be gentle. And uh, I think when we think about the word gentleness, many things come to mind. And I think one of the things you highlight in message is, it's maybe not what you think it is. 
uh, in some regard and to really think about Jesus. But I'm just curious, like, man, what do you mean? And what comes to mind when you think about what it looks like to be gentle in the midst of conflict in marriage? Yeah, I think one of my favorite illustrations of gentleness is actually a horse, right? Like you, you think about, you refer to, you go, oh, he's such a gentle horse. That's how horse people talk about their horses. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like, he's, he's so gentle. And they're like beasts of an animal, right? You got like massive power and a horse is made gentle because of control. And the horse is controlled by a bridle or, and the bit, the little piece in its mouth, right? And that produces a gentle horse. So, my point in all of this is things that are gentle are not weak. Mm. Things that are gentle are self-controlled. Mm. I did not expect you to say a horse. A horse. I've never heard. That's a really gentle horse. Oh, yeah. I've like, heard gentle giant. Have you been around mm. horses much? I mean, maybe. Yeah, like I think that's common to go, man. Oh, yeah, he's a very gentle horse. <laughs> have you heard that? I have, but oh. I was also an FFA kid, so yeah, oh, so okay. I'm right. I've been around horses. <laughs> <laughs> so you've proven me right. <laughs> like everybody says, the he's same. A gentle horse. <laughs> it's yeah. a gentle horse. Oh, that's a gentle horse. <laughs> but to be fair, I have heard gentle giant more than I have yeah. heard gentle. Horse. I would say ninety nine percent of my horse experience involves children <laughs> and so that's why i'm hearing gentle a lot about horses gotcha well i mean what do you think it means that you you reference you may think that's timidness passiveness weakness but you point us to jesus yeah. as the as the source of gentleness and what does that look like for us to be like yeah him? so jesus is described as gentle lowly and gentle and and you want to talk about power under control mm. like you got the power of god creator god stepping into creation and and being incarnated as you know human um so the ultimate picture of power and setting that power aside for the good of others mm. and and i think that speaks not just to the gentleness of jesus but to the humility of jesus and in his humbleness he's so others focused so others first focused um that he humbled himself to the point of of you know taken on flesh mm. and then and then had a gentle approach and Jesus is anything but weak, anything but timid, anything but passive. Mm. What do you think, and I think in a practical sense, gentleness and conflict in marriage, because um, you do have a lot of strength. You know your partner better than anybody else. Like you mm. said with Emily, you know how to push her buttons, mm -hmm. you know how to roll her up. <laughs> like you know that more than anybody else on this planet. And so, to reel that in and control that, so that's your tone of voice, that's knowing when not to push their buttons, that's um, biting your tongue, waiting, like we talked about this last week, um, slow to speak, quick to listen, and so just really s controlling yourself mm. in yeah. those conflicts. But, and I want, like, as a husband, man, I want to be gentle um, because I believe that honors Ashley, but I also want to be gentle because I got three girls that are watching me, mm. you know, and and I want that to be their image of love that mm. uh, that it's self controlled and gentle. Mm. I really appreciate what you said too, Erin. Of like, I, I know this person better than anyone else does in the world, and I know her insecurities and vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. and so gentleness is also like get back to last week. What's the goal? Like, what are we trying to do here? Am I trying to get my way or am I trying to help the team win? Yeah, no, that's so and, good because, and, and we talk about this summit message that, that gentle, like the opposite of gentle is not always loud. Mm. Sometimes loud and abrasive and harsh, like 
is the opposite of gentle, but sometimes the opposite of gentle is manipulative and, and cunning and, and, and deceitful and even cutting down. You can be really quiet and still be really digging, and that's not gentle. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, another thing we talk about is the idea of conflict being inevitable and that the goal of marriage is not an absence of conflict. It's not like we keep working at our stuff until one day we no longer fight. <laughs> it's like, that's not possible. Yeah. Uh, we're two broken people and we are just different. And so um, I just, I'm curious of, of like talking through and what, so if the goal is not the absence of conflict, then what ultimately is the goal? And Aaron, do you, uh, tell us about that. Like, do you feel like, man, we just never fight. We finally reached the point where there's no conflict. Oh, no. I don't know. And like you said, that's not even the goal. Yeah. Because that would be foolish. And so, I think it's that perspective and just framing it differently and thinking, okay, it's not your way. It's not my way. Like, how can we fight hmm. but be on the same fight? And so, um, you know, Jared and I went through some serious stuff several years ago that could have torn us apart, but because Jesus glued us together, we were able to fight on the same side. Mm. And we learned how to fight differently. And even when it's not about that main issue, that was that big marital problem that we had, uh, we still have applications from that. So when we do fight, like we can fight on the same side. Like, I don't agree with you, but our unity is the greater goal. Like, mm. I, I would do things differently, but how can we do this together? Mm. Well, and, and you use the key word Aaron, unity. Like that's that's the big idea of the whole message series is like experiencing the oneness that God intends and we desires uh, and we desire and the specific word that's used in Ephesians four is unity. Because essentially Ephesians four is actually written to the church. Like how does a church operate in a healthy way and love each other well in a way that preserves church unity? And, uh, and the application in marriage is still the same. It's like, what does it look like to find this kind of unity? And how do we handle conflict in a way that's actually unifying instead of dividing? And, and by nature, conflict is, if we don't handle it well, is going to divide us. And so the whole big idea of it is that, that it's actually an opportunity. Every time we experience conflict, it creates opportunity to experience unity. Hmm. I appreciate, too, that as you talk about that, the encouragement that is for somebody who, like you said, we got a lot of opportunities. We got, <laughs> yeah. we got lots of conflict. We got nothing but opportunity. Uh, but just the encouragement that is, too, of like, man, we still argue, we still fight, we still butt heads, and it's just like, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about the amount, even. It's about what what's the goal and how do you navigate them? Well, and I love to bust that myth that mm-hmm. no conflict is actually the goal. And I know you hate a, a gotcha moment, but when I'm working with premarital couples, I love that gotcha moment because I'll ask them, it's like, man, uh, tell me about your conflict. And, and they think that I'm wanting them to say, we don't ever fight. And they'll look <laughs> at me and they'll be like, we don't have conflict. We don't ever fight. I'm like, that's a huge problem. Mm. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah. In fact, I would tell you no conflict is probably as unhealthy as too much conflict. Mm. They're like, what? I'm like, man, it just means that you're ignoring real problems. Mm-hmm. You're sweeping it under the rug. You're ignoring it. You're dismissing it. And if it's going to build and build and build over time, and at some point it's going to bite you in the butt. So let's talk about actually how to have conflict and how to do it right and how to have it fair, how to mm-hmm. fight fair. Like Aaron's mm-hmm. saying, fight fair for the same thing for the same team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
all these people who are listening who will maybe one day sit in your office will know. They'll be ready. They'll be ready. When I say, tell me about your conflict. They're like, how much time you got? <laughs> we got lots of opportunities. <laughs> we got, we're sitting on a mount of opportunity. <laughs> well, one of the other things you introduced, Randy, in message is uh, scales of passion. And I love when we talk to pre-marrieds and counseling about scales of passion. Uh, but the idea is just, you know, of when you butt heads, when there is conflict and things to work through, the way I describe it is, some people argue differently and like we have admitted to we're just passionate people and we can be passionate about things that are mundane yeah and for and some we people we don't really care about yeah we don't really, really care yeah like yeah. i'm picking fights with emily for over nothing yeah um but a scales of passion are a, is a helpful tool for us to stop and evaluate what do i really think about this am i a 10 on the scale of caring am i that passionate about this am i a three and i'm just worked up in the moment um, but just tell me about like how does that play out? And Aaron, I know this was kind of a new concept a second ago, but how do you see that being helpful too? Yeah. So I mean, another way to say the scales of passion is it's just a, a way to discern and to pick your battles. Mm-hmm. And in the Proverbs, uh, you know, the wisdom of the Old Testament it, it encourages us to have the discernment to pick our battles. And it's just a way to discern what's a battle to pick and what's something to dismiss. And so what I teach on the scales of passion is this, like you, you just build in your mind a scale from zero to 10 and you have to do the introspective work uh, and, and be self-aware enough to know how much do I care really. And I think if you assign anything below a five, then it probably falls into the category of something that you could just dismiss and overlook, chalk it up to differences and, and just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. If it falls above a five, then you're obligated. It's like, okay, we've got to deal with this because this has a significance to it. And one of the big rules of the scales of passion is you don't get to determine your spouse's number Mm -hmm. and you don't get to critique it. You don't get to judge it. Like if they put it above a five, then you respect it, you honor it and you move forward into dealing with it in that way. Um, And so uh, it just ultimately helps you figure out that question of how much do I care really? Is this just a matter of preference or is this a wrong that we need to right? And I think this is true in any relationships, working relationships, family relationships, marriages, for sure, that there's tensions to manage and there's problems to solve. And these two things are really different. So it kind of helps you discern the tensions from the problems. Hmm. Man, that's great. I wish I would have known that. Going into marriage, I'm like thinking of all the things. Because I felt like, hey, Jared and I have to agree on everything all the time. So if we don't, let's fight until we do. And we that in the early years of our marriage and listening to y'all talk about the scales of passion. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we didn't we didn't I'll, have to be there. I'll tell you the people that I think it's the most helpful for is the really particular people. You know? Like the the people that can be so particular that everything's important to them, the way mm-hmm. the silverware is put away, the way that the dishwasher is loaded, the mm-hmm. way that the toothpaste is squeezed, the way that like they've got a way for everything and they believe their way yes. is the way. They need the scales, and they need to understand, yes. like, not everything can be a 10, man. Because if everything's a 10, you're exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, I appreciate what you said, too. Is sometimes you, you don't get to pick your partner's number. You can't critique it. It's right. their number. And you've told me stories before of uh, something that you would imagine is like, how is that not a three? Right. But it's actually a higher a number. Yeah. And it, it helps, like, like, what I've always said is, if she's higher than I expect... If she's got a high number, then it's 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 my duty to say, "Yep, 
help me understand why. Yep. Because maybe there's a story there. Have you, I mean, you guys are probably familiar with the feelings wheel, right? And so the feelings wheel basically has like three layers and it helps you drill down into the emotions that you're feeling. And, and it's like, man, it, it makes us not live in that space where we just say, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Why, why are you frustrated? Let's dig deeper into the frustration. And maybe there's not anything deeper to it, but maybe there is. And ultimately that's what the scales of passion is about. It's getting to the point where you've done enough introspection to be able to emotionally articulate like intelligently emotionally articulate what's going on inside of you and so that's why something that i would perceive as little could actually be above a five on ashley's scales because at the end of the day when we dig down at what's at the root of it it's not that i'm not putting the laundry where she wants me to put the laundry it's that my choosing to do that over and over and over again actually makes her feel taken for granted Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the last thing I want is for her to feel taken for granted. And so when I really understand the emotions behind that and how it makes her feel, what happens is that actually motivates changed behavior in me. What doesn't motivate changed behavior in me is just my preference is that you put the laundry there. Mm-hmm. But if I prefer it because if you don't, I feel taken for granted, well, then changes that everything. changes my heart. Mm-hmm. And so having the maturity and the ability to articulate ourselves and using the scales to help us understand ourselves, that puts us in a, sp- a space where our spouses can understand us. And then when we're understood, uh, it might actually motivate change behaviors. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. You're introducing all these new tools. The, the feelings wheel? The feelings wheel. The, Do you I, know the feelings I wheel? I think I've seen it before. I'm a big fan of the feelings wheel. Well, yeah. Feelings wheel is good with your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we started with uh, a feelings an emotions chart and it just has like emojis basically. And you know, when they're really little, they can point to how, what, what, which one's helping them feel. But when you really want to move deeper, the feelings will moves more to the, the interior root of mm-hmm. your feelings and your emotions and what's going on with all these new tools. Like Aaron said, I wish I would have had that. Let me go back and pick up all these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just hey, I know we figured this out, but let's go back. <laughs> have a tool belt, man. That's it's, it's, there's so much of this, this that is skills based, right? Like, it really is. Mm. And, and the more tools we can put in our tool belt, the healthier we can be. Mm. Well, I mean, I think the last thing, this is just the final week of this five-week message series. And uh, we've gone through all the boxes. And uh, man, my, my last thought is just what were your big picture thoughts on the series? What did you think about it? What are your hopes? And, and just what would you say to people um, based on your story and, and based on this five weeks of the series? who are all the different seasons of marriage. Maybe they're starting out, maybe they're hitting a rough patch, maybe they're having lots of opportunities to figure things out and they've got lots of conflict they're working through or really struggling. And what would you say to those people today? Man, I think what I want struggling people to hear is hope, that there's always hope. And I think even in this conversation, there's hope in that. It's like, you got you got conflict, you got opportunity, mm-hmm. right? How are we going to see this? Is it going to divide us? Is it going to unite us? Is it going to pull us away? Or are we going to use this to, to lead us to oneness? And ultimately, um, you know, I hope that there is great hope. I mean, the other thing I'd say is from the out, outset, my, my goal is to create a, a higher, a new and better view and vision of marriage. And, um, and this series for me has just been a reminder. Like I really do, I really do believe this stuff, you know, and, and we're practicing what we're preaching and we're working. We ne- I talk about that in this message that you never stop working. And as soon as you do, you're in trouble. And that's not a bad thing. Like things that are worth having are worth working for. And a healthy marriage is at the top of the list. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a good reminder to me the, of why we put in the work and also, um, 
man, if, if, if I've got an audience that I hope views my marriage as a representation of the gospel, my primary audience is my daughters. Mm-hmm. And they've got a better picture into what Ashley and I really are and are not. And, and man, I hope that they see something that's at least somewhat a likeness mm-hmm. of the love of Jesus. Mm. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, but I was going to say the exact same thing, that there is always hope. And I've seen Jesus save my marriage and others that uh, are close to me, that He really can um, change lives. And um, sometimes when we're working so hard to figure things out with our spouse, we'll, we'll forget how big a part Jesus is in the picture, but if we can keep Him at the center... Um, that can change everything. Well, and just piggybacking off of what you're saying, Aaron, like this message series had very, very strategic design. And the truth is people, especially struggling people, man, they want the tools. They want the tricks and the tools. And they want those things that will fix it. And that's why this message series started with the root theologies mm-hmm. of rooting in the love of God in Christ. And, and, and the tricks and tools are useless if Jesus doesn't have your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm. I... Uh, I've just appreciated this message series. I think it's been helpful. I think we've had really great conversations as a, as a married couple. I think with people in our church, I've had really great conversations and people who've shared every week has been really encouraging. And I think what I hope has, has been encouraging for whoever's listening uh, is just the reality that this is true. Like when we say the absence of conflict is not the goal because it's not possible, that's just true. And that we're coming from places of these are real these are these are helpful tools that work in our lives and our marriages but also because we need them and uh you know i i hope that people um see real life examples not just in us but even in the people and the stories we've told over the five weeks of man people have been in some really hard places and man with jesus at the center like you said aaron and with just the even the the foundational blocks, Randy, like in, in, we started in the message series, man, God can do an incredible work in your relationship and in your marriage, and uh, it's not over, you know. And just the hope that I, 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 I that I hope comes with that as a reminder of wherever you are, there's still hope for you in your marriage, and uh, hopefully people come back to this message series. Yeah, uh, and put in the work, right? Like put in the work and 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 make it priority. You're, you're not going to get there without making a priority. Like for me personally, man, I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a great dad, but I want to be an amazing husband. Mm-hmm. I want that to be my highest and best. Yeah. And for pre-marrieds, I think it's helpful too. Like I was having conversations today with somebody who is uh, thinking about marriage and it was just walking through, man, before you step into it, here's a great things to think through. Here's a great... Um, things to evaluate and here's what you should be striving for here's let's reorient the goal in some ways and uh, man the the work you do beforehand and and even in evaluating the person man will really just set you up for such a different yeah. like a really healthy deal so but and i love aaron's contribution today too because it makes me just hopeful and thinking about it. it's never too late right mm-hmm. like maybe you didn't have these tools maybe mm-hmm. you didn't have these concepts maybe you didn't have these theologies when you got married it's not too late to mm-hmm. start yeah, it's so good for sure all right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, as we wrap up this series, the next two weeks, we have just uh, a series called Planting Hope. And uh, next week, we hope to have Stephen Searles on here to tell us a little bit about what God is doing in Seattle. And then the next week, to talk a little bit about Story Church that is coming in Houston. 
but uh yeah excited aaron thanks so much for joining us and jumping right in (laughs) fearless yeah and now you've got to listen i will and a wave (laughs) and a wave amiga (laughs) (laughs) thanks thanks so much for listening